Hi, I'm Ellen. And I'm Alex. And this is the Uniquely Portable Magic Podcast, um, a podcast dedicated to all things books. So this week we are talking about the book Fable by Adrian Young. Um, it's a great adventurous novel about a teenager who basically gets dumped by her father on this island and has to survive for years, and it's about her journey from the island and escaping and the you know band of I guess misfits that she ends up on you know meeting on this ship and how she is able to get back to her father and you know there's some magic along the way uh, it's a really great book and just a spoiler alert if you haven't read it we're going to be talking in depth about the book so either pause now, read the book, and come back, or if you don't have any problems with spoilers, which I know I always do, but I know oh, there are some here. people out there. I know. I don't understand it, but there are people out there. Yes. They do it. So if you're one of those people, then please continue listening and join us, even if you haven't read the book. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So, Ellen. Yes. We're going to jump right into our favorites here. Okay. Do you have one favorite character this time, or did you struggle with your favorite characters per usual? I struggled, but I will say one is my favorite, and then please note that my second favorites are basically my favorites. Um, <laughs> so um, I sort of flip-flopped back and forth for a while um, about who like was my actual favorite, but I'm going to have to go with Fable, our main character. Um... She's just so tenacious and interesting, and um, I just loved... I also just, <laughs> like, to be completely honest, I totally um, have a soft spot for redheaded characters <laughs> as a redhead myself. No, um, <laughs> so that already wins them. I shouldn't say all the time, but for the most part, if they're meant to be good characters that already wins them points in my book. Um, so that certainly didn't hurt, but I just loved her and her journey. And, um, so I'm going to say she's my favorite followed very closely by Willa and West. Okay. How about you? So for me, similarly, my favorite character was Fable. Oh my God. Twinsies. I know. Surprise. Is it because your best friend's a redhead? <laughs> oh, yeah. I'm, since my best friend's a redhead, a.k.a. we're talking about you. <laughs> Duh. I've definitely done no everything one, that happened in this no book. No one knew that, but yeah. <laughs> my redheaded best friend. Um, you know, I'm always predisposed. No. Not, not the same way that you are. Um, but I loved how strong and beautiful she was as a character and just how you see her... Um, her continual strength throughout the book mm -hmm. and while all of the characters have been through you know terrible experiences in their lives mm -hmm. and have made it through them you really see in fable like how that actually impacted her and how she's dealing with those issues mm -hmm. and I also just loved like her um, her transition into being more open and more vulnerable, like mm -hmm. the character arc that led yeah. her growth. Absolutely. Um, 
And then plus she's a gem sage. So right? how freaking cool is that? And I was like, I want to be that. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, that was pretty awesome. Mm-hmm. So how many quotes did you have this time? Only four. Which is down from, I think I had six or seven last time. So basically winning. Um, so my first quote happened pretty quickly in, in the book. Um, pretty close to the beginning. Um, Fable is standing on, I've been calling it Javal, but I don't really know how you pronounce it. It could be just Javal. It could be Haval if you're not supposed to pronounce the J. Um, yeah, I've been pronouncing it Javal, but... That's a very English way. I know, right? Like, <laughs> I don't know there's a very good chance that... So, we've been pronouncing it the same way. It's just... We but could both... Have, like, more of a French... Well, of course I do. Um, <laughs> um, so, um, it, just, it just struck me so hauntingly beautiful. Um, and it says, And no matter where I went, I'd never get home, because home was a ship that was at the bottom of the sea where my mother's bones lay sleeping. And I was just like, I literally, as I was reading, was like, (sighs) like, it just sort of like, it's, and it's not, it's just like a beautifully constructed sentence and, and hauntingly beautiful. And there's something so mysterious about the sea and, and, um, I just, I don't know. It just took my breath away. So, um, my next two quotes both take place during the storm um, when she's on, she being Fable, excuse me, um, is on the boat um, heading towards, I was calling it Syros. Again, I don't know if I'm pronouncing it properly. Um, and um, so the first one starts um, with West talking to her and he says, get below dot, dot, um, my gosh, I can't even speak. <laughs> I'm so excited to talk about this book. Um, it says, get below or I'm dropping you at the next island and you can swim to Syros. Wes took hold of my face with his hands, meeting my eyes. A look like thunder after a lightning strike lit on his face. Fear wound every inch of his body and squeezed, and the feel of his hands on me sent a chill up my spine. There was something knowing in the way he looked at me, something that pulled at the knots in the net of lies we'd both told. And I was just like, so this whole book, I don't know if you felt the same way, but this whole book, the angst. And the will they, won't they was so painfully delicious. Like, (laughs) um, and as I was getting closer and closer to the end, I was like, they better at least kiss each other before the end of this book or I'm done. Not really. I would have definitely still planned to read the next book. But I was like, I better get just a little, a little something before this book is over. Um, So I just... I just loved that interaction where specifically West, but also Fable, um, they're both trying to pretend like they don't care about each other and it keeps poking through in, in little ways that they do actually care about each other. Um, and I just thought those were really fun. Yeah. I think something else about that quote that really stood out is that, um, just throughout the book you can hear the sea in all of her writing Mm -hmm. like she just constantly uses that in a very metaphorical way Mm -hmm. and that really came through to me yeah 
do. Absolutely. Um, so then my next one is just like the next page, basically. Um, and, and now Fable is talking about the storm itself. Um, and again, I just thought it was so beautiful. Um, and it says, my mother called it touching the soul of the storm. When she came upon us like that, she was taking us into her heart and letting us see her. She was saying something. And only then would we know what lay within her. Only then would we know who she was. And of course, like, of course they're talking about a storm. But I also love sort of the imagery that they're talking about a woman. You know, like, Mm -hmm. you won't, there's that quote, like, um, women are like, tea bags they only get stronger when you put them in hot water or whatever I don't think I've ever heard that. it's I might be butchering it a little bit but that's the gist of the quote um and um I like to think that's pretty true for 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 women um in, mostly in general um you know and and so I love that it is talking about a storm because I'm, I'm I love a good storm like a good summer storm with the wind howling and thunder and lightning and pouring rain. Like, I love a good storm. Probably not on the deck of a boat, <laughs> um, like they're going through, but I, um, I just, I, I just, I love a good storm. So I um, already was like, oh, they're in a, like, yes, like, this is so cool. And then just like sort of the comparison of a storm and a, and a woman I thought was just brilliant. Um, and then... Um, my last one is, is just beautiful and it made me so happy. (laughs) Um, and this one was their under, after their underwater kiss that we finally get, that we finally got. Yes. One of my quotes is about that too. Okay. Let's see if, let's see if it's the same one. Every once in a while we match up on our quotes here. So let's see if this is another one. His arms slid around me, and I folded myself into him, finding the place beneath his jaw, and he held me, so tight, like he was keeping me from unraveling, and he was, because that kiss broke open some dark night sky within me, filled with stars and moons and flaming comets. The darkness was replaced by the blazing fire of the sun racing under my skin. That's exactly... Ah! <laughs> yes, same quote. Um, I just loved... Um, how clearly it showed kind of what you were talking about, like the vulnerability that she learns to have and he learns to have. And really, I think most of the band of misfits, although most specifically, it's of course talking about those two, um, but living in a world where they can't really trust anybody, sort of learning that vulnerability um, and, and, and leaning into that vulnerability. Plus they kissed, and I was like, finally! <laughs> so. I love it. Yes, obviously that was one of my favorite quotes, too. Love it. Um, I want to yeah. hear the rest of yours. Okay, so my first favorite quote happens when the first time they dock, and um, West asks, able to get back the knife that Willa had just traded. Mm, okay. Um, so she's inside this shop and is looking at the wares and ends up um, seeing herself in a mirror. Mm-hmm. And I really, I thought it was a very unique way to describe 
how you look at yourself. And it was just like so chilling. Um, so this is the quote. I moved to the next table before I could spend another moment looking at myself. I didn't want to see what or who might look back at me in that mirror or how different she was from the one who used to live inside these bones. It's beautiful. Yeah, I just thought, you know, the one who used to live inside these bones was, it's just such an interesting way to describe how people change and how introspection is such a hard thing for many of us to do. Sure. Um, So I just really loved that. Um, And then my second favorite quote was the last one that you already read. So thanks for stealing that from me. (laughs) It's fine. I'm sorry. (laughs) I like to just think of it as a wonderful shared experience. I agree. I agree. (laughs) It is a lovely shared experience. So... My next favorite quote is one of my favorites because I just think it's really funny and cute. Okay. Um, And it's when uh, Willa and Fable are talking to each other and Willa's letting her know that she's thinking about leaving the ship. Okay. Um, And so then they're talking about how Fable and West, you know, look like they might be getting together. Mm -hmm. And she says to Fable... I like you, Fable. It was my idea to bring you on, and I'm glad you're here. Her voice dropped low. I'm not saying I don't want you to love him. I'm only saying that if you get him killed, I don't know if I'll be able to keep myself from cutting your throat. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. And while it's supposed to be, like, a legitimate threat... And I it and I and I think out, it is it is very it is, much a legitimate threat. It is a legitimate threat. threat. Yeah. I just burst out laughing because just like, oh yeah, like it's fine if you love my brother, but I'm going to kill you <laughs> if he gets killed. So Right. <laughs> so, you better watch out. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Um, yes. I love it. And then my final favorite quote. You had four too? Yes. Oh my gosh, twinsies again. Yeah, so my final favorite quote is from my favorite part of the book. Okay. Which we'll discuss in a second, but um, it's when they finally get together okay. at the end of the book mm-hmm. and when they're kissing. And it's just, I loved the, the use of, you know, talking about the sea and that description in them getting together. Okay. And when he kissed me again, it was slow. It was pleading. The silence of the sea found us, my heartbeat quieting, and I painted each moment into my mind. The smell of him and the drag of his fingers down my back, the taste of salt when I kissed his shoulder and the slide of his lips down my throat. Like light cast over the morning water, it became new. Every moment that lay ahead, like an uncharted sea, this was a new beginning. Beautiful. I know, it's so beautiful and just, so, so many sea metaphors mm-hmm. in there that I, I mean, granted, this whole book is about <laughs> being on the ocean, so right. it makes sense, but I wouldn't think of kissing, I wouldn't relate that to the sea, personally, mm-hmm. so the way that she did it was just very beautiful. And I wonder if, I, I wonder if you might, if you had grown up on the sea or by the sea or, you know, yeah. may, I mean, maybe not, I don't know. I've also never grown up by a sea, um, in case you were wondering. <laughs> we grew up by the sea. 
grew up by a Great Lake, so that's like kind of like a sea, but mm, not really. Not, re- not really. <laughs> I mean, it's big, and you can't see the other side, and that's about the similarities. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, not. I mean, you've been to the ocean, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's just um, something that always strikes me about the ocean is that it just never stops moving. So, like, even where, like, Lake Michigan is huge, and, like, yes, there's certainly big waves that happen, and it can be very dangerous, um, there are moments when, at least at the shoreline, it's relatively calm, you know? And I and I just have been struck by that that's not always, that's not really the case at the at the sea. Um, I don't know why we're, ta- why are we talking about that? I don't know. <laughs> The, yeah, I was just going to say that, like... Join us on our new podcast where we talk about bodies of water. <laughs> yes, right? Yeah. It's always, like, the smell of the salt water and the the ocean breeze. Like, the sounds mm-hmm. are so different at the ocean. Mm-hmm. The sounds and smells than yeah. at the lake. Absolutely. But anyways, back to our... <laughs> Join us next week on our podcast. new podcast, Water. <laughs> uh, what was your favorite part? You know, it's really tough because I enjoyed the whole book, really. Um, So my favorite part is um, kind of like, I don't know, was it last week that you were talking about how your favorite part was like a theme of parts? I don't know. There was a time recently that we were talking and you mentioned that like, your favorite part was more, like, it happened more than once, but it was just sort of, like, a common theme. Um, and my, so mine is kind of like that this time. Um, and mine is any time Fable was dredging under the water. Um, I just loved her interactions with the sea creatures and um, just the descriptions of the coral and being underwater. And, like, I just... Um, and, like, I'm not a huge, um, so for, this is going to seem like it's not connected, but per, just bear with me here for a second. So for the longest time, I thought my biggest fear was being lost in space. Um, and it still is, and it terrifies me, and I hate it. Um, but I slowly came to realize that, actually, I think what the fear is, is being lost where it's not likely that someone can find me. Right? Because I have this, I have, I have the fear of being lost in space, but I have the same fear about being lost, like, in the middle of the ocean, or the middle of the desert, or, like, the middle of a forest. Like, you know, someplace where I'm not sure I can rely on myself to get myself out of the situation. Like, I can hope I can do it. Um, so, it's, it was a little funny to me that some of my favorite points in time were when she's alone... (laughs) in the ocean. <laughs> and I was like, interesting. Cause it, cause it didn't, it wouldn't have stricken, striked, stricken me, struck. struck me. Thank you. I was like, what's the word that I'm trying to say here? It wouldn't have struck me. Like if you would have been, if you would have just like laid out the points of the book before I had read it, I, I probably wouldn't have been like, Oh, those will be my favorite parts. Cause like someone alone in the water by herself, like, and clearly very capable in the water. Like, she, of course, knows what she's doing. And she's, she, but, you know, the ocean is dangerous, even for people who know what they're doing. So, um, but I just loved those moments of, she seemed to be her happiest and her 
most peaceful during those moments, and I just, I loved them. Mm-hmm. So tell me about your favorite part. So it's kind of funny because your favorite part was my second favorite part. Okay. And I was really considering whether it was my favorite part. I was thinking... We are I like loved... such twinsies with this book, Alex. I know. <laughs> I absolutely loved the way that all of the underwater scenes were described mm-hmm. and... I just thought it was so beautiful and you could feel like you were there. Mm -hmm. Um, But I think my favorite part slightly trumps that in my opinion. Sure. Um, I loved at the very end when Weston Fable finally just accepted Mm -hmm. that it was okay to love each other Mm -hmm. and to be with each other because they were fighting it for so long. And like you, I was just like, come on, like we know Did you're... Right? Did you say finally out loud too, or was that just me? <laughs> <laughs> okay. That might have been just you. Okay. Uh, I'm noticing, yeah, from the laugh and the smile on your face, uh, it might have just been me. Yeah, but I loved the vulnerability in this scene, and, you know, one of my favorite quotes was from that mm-hmm. scene, like it was just very beautifully described and I was just so happy that it finally happened uh, (laughs) that I think that was my favorite part of the book yeah I mean I certainly enjoyed it (laughs) yeah so I feel like that's a good launching point into just discussing like you've already touched on a little bit their love story Mm -hmm. And the fact that it was so frustrating mm-hmm. that you kept thinking that maybe something would happen between them and then it wouldn't. Mm-hmm. And then, oh, maybe, and then no. Mm-hmm. And you're just like, oh my god, like, is is something going to happen between right. them? Like, Am I just making this shit up? Like, right? yeah. like, are they going to let themselves actually feel for each other what we as readers are assuming that they feel? Mm-hmm. And so this actually, I've read a couple of other Adrian Young books. Okay. And this similarly happens in her other books where you're like, okay, these characters, like we think they feel something for each other. Mm-hmm. When is that going to happen? <laughs> and by that, towards the end of the book, you're like, come on, like, give me something here. <laughs> and Oh, so you're telling me that I shouldn't read the two books by her that are sitting on my thing if I don't want to feel like this all over again. <laughs> yes, that's exactly what I'm saying. Okay. Um, or wait until, I think there's a third book coming out in that series, so wait until that happens, and then I can just yeah. devour all of it. Yeah, Got it. Because that was that was my big issue with all of her books, is like, okay, at the very end, something finally happens where you're thinking that their relationship is at least starting, if mm-hmm. not maybe a little solidified. And then the book ends, and you're just like, wait, but I just, but it just started. Like, and how did how did the book just end? And <laughs> and I haven't read those books, so I can't speak to those. But oh my god, the ending of this book, I was like, no. <laughs> Do you understand why I told you that you would hate the ending of this book? Now? Yes. <laughs> and okay, so everyone else, we obviously was not listening when I told Alex this, but I'm going to tell you guys this too. Before we started recording, I was like, 
Alex, I'm so sad because this book is out and I want the next book that we read to be the second book, but it's not going to be the second book because that's not coming out until like March or May or something of next year. And I just can't, like, I can't, I, I just want to know what happens next. I know. I think you struggle a bit more than I, but I do too, especially when there's a cliffhanger or if characters aren't left, like how we say it in like, a little safe place so you know that like everyone's doing okay um, yes every so everyone knows that's um something that I have a really hard time with is um if the next book isn't out or if the series is ending I have a really hard time saying goodbye to the characters um and so what I will often do is stop reading at a point <laughs> where all the characters are safe and they're in a safe little space and nothing's going to hurt them because of course logically we all know that when you stop reading um their lives stop so <laughs> nothing can hurt them until you read again um cuz that's very wow, logical that and very normal um so i do that all the time my bookshelf is i shouldn't say full of books that have a bookmark like a hundred pages from the end of the book but there are quite a few books on my bookshelf that have a bookmark that's just sort of sitting and waiting and I'll I'll get there I mean I will I I always finish them it just sometimes takes me a little while to get there yeah I have to say I was pretty disappointed that when I was like let's read this book I didn't I thought it was a standalone book. I didn't mm-hmm. realize it was a duology and the second book isn't out yet. Mm-hmm. I mean, luckily it's supposed to come out next year. And early but, next year is what I think I remember yeah. seeing. But I just... But with the way this year is going, who knows? <laughs> yeah, that's very true. That is so true. Um, but I just really wish that, like, being an author didn't take time. Publishing books didn't take time. Right. Because really, I should just have the books that I want to read already. Like, yeah. I shouldn't have to wait years and years and years. <laughs> How dare they take I the know, time and energy like, to write these beautiful books for don't us? Don't they know yes. what I need? And can't they cater <laughs> to those needs instead of, I Absolutely. don't know, the creative process that it takes to write a book? Yeah. Because, of course, there's... They would, of course, still be as beautiful and intricate and thought out if they just wrote them really quick as if they took time on it, of course. Mm. <laughs> yeah, so obviously Adrian Young and her publishers just need to get on this so we can read the next one and then talk about it. I mean, tech, I think since we have a publication date, I think, I think, I don't really know how the world of publishing works, but I think that means it's... Sh- she she's done at least maybe some rewrites but like for the most part I think she's done um yeah so um a good chunk of my notes I'm getting so good at this Alex um a good chunk of my notes um for for this here episode um were predictions and my reactions to them I find that that seems to be what most of my notes end up being (laughs) um I do have a couple sort of like, I put them under a category of random thoughts. Um, But the first thing I wanted to talk about is, um, was sort of my first prediction. So on page like 65 of the hardcover book, um, it's, she starts 
uh, talking about how she hears the language of things, um, and specifically of stones. She talks about hearing the pyre under the water, um, and she is talking about it. And I wrote down, I was like, language of things, of stones. And then I was like, is she magical? And then later on page 131, I was like, I was right. She's a gem, (laughs) she's a gem sage. And so I was like, look at me. But I just wanted to talk about that in general. Like, um, what a cool, like, it's not, and I loved sort of a little bit later when Hamish was trying to figure out what being a gem sage was like. He's like, do you like talk to them? Like, (laughs) and she's like, no, that's not really how it works. But I just sort of loved the idea that they talk and not even talk, but they sing to her. Yes. I, I thought the concept of a gem sage was super cool. And I have to say, I was pretty disappointed to find out that, like, she would have apprenticed under her mother mm-hmm. if her mom was still alive and she would have learned. So, and there's, like, so much more. I have, I have a theory about that. We'll talk okay. about that later. Okay, we'll talk about that in a second. Um, like, just the way that being a gem sage was described, I wanted to know so much more about mm-hmm. it. So the fact that she, if she had been apprenticed, she would have learned so much more and the like the fact that there is so much more to being a gem sage that we yeah. don't know about mm-hmm. um i'm hoping maybe that the second book will give us more insight into for sure like, all the other things that a gem sage can do yeah absolutely um yeah i just thought it was a brilliant way to sneak a little bit of magic into a relatively un I'm saying unmagical, not in the sense of, like, how it was written, um, mm-hmm. but, like, strictly in the sense of there is no magic or relatively little magic. Um, and I'm always a sucker for a little bit of magic, so I was like, what a fun... Um, and it feels relatively unique to me. Like, I don't know that I've seen it other places. Certainly that it could be similar to other... Um, but, like... Yeah, I just loved the little hint of magic that we got mm-hmm. in it. Yeah, absolutely. So you were saying something about you have a prediction about Well, I, I just it's like it's I don't know if prediction is even the right word right now. I think inkling is a better. So I um I, this sort of moved a little bit as I kept reading through the book, obviously, and I got more information. Um, but I just, it struck me, um, so it started in that flashback chapter that we got, um, when it was talking about Fable, um, like, waking up in the middle of the storm that sank the lark, and, um, getting to the island and her dad abandoning her, like, that little chapter that we got, And, um, something struck me as I was reading that, that she woke up and already the whole ship, like there was no one else on the ship except for her dad and, um, Clove, right? Was Uh that his name? Um, like, and already all the other people were gone. And so that struck me as odd, but of course it's, it's a shipwreck. Like certainly there's reasons that they could have already been off of the boat. Like they had been swept off in a wave or something like that. Um, but it's just, it, it, it like tingled a spidey sense. Like yeah, <laughs> maybe that, that I had a 
Yeah. Oh, this and so kind of weird. Like, is it just not? She's just not describing the other aspects of it. Like, yeah. as a kid, this is her memory, and she just right. Like, she was fourteen. It was the middle of the night. Too. It was traumatic. Like, right. And th- but then, so I made a note, and I was like, and it, and I was like, I think Saint killed is old, and I was like, because. Uh, um, Fable keeps talking about how even though her dad was never like an affectionate like super affectionate man he was very different after like Isolde's death for the you know three hours she was with him afterwards um, and like how he changed really drastically um, and but I was thinking like and I don't know but it was like just like a weird inkling and then I was like Maybe he snapped a little bit before, like, I don't know. Like, it was just, like, a weird feeling I got, and I could be totally off base. But that was my first thought. And then as I kept reading, and we actually, like, met Saint, and, like, she talked to him, I felt that less. But, like, in that flashback scene, that was my first thought. And then... Interesting, because I... That is not a thought that crossed my mind that he would have killed her. Yeah, and then, but then, of course, um, the, um, they start mentioning Holland. They mention her, this person twice, um, and I had a, and it's um, Holland is from Bastion, which is what I've been calling it, but again, it could be supposed to be something else, and. Um, and they mentioned this this Holland twice. And the second time it happened, I had this weird, like, moment where I was like, what if Holland is Isolde? Or is, like, or is related to Isolde? Or has something See, I... to do with that? And so then, but then, of course, like, as we met her dad a little bit more, and especially in the last scene where she sees her dad, mm-hmm. um, I was like... I feel less like he maybe killed her mom, but it was a weird thought that I had in that flashback chapter that I thought was worth mentioning to see if you had that thought, and clearly you did not. Um. No. Yeah, I I also think that there's something with Holland. Either they're related, I was thinking possibly mother-daughter, like Holland is Fable's grandmother, or... Did they mention that Holland is a woman, I don't know. That's just been my assumption, and I'm not sure why. I think it... Right, and I was thinking it was my assumption because I had the thinking... Like, the the inkling, like, is Holland is old? And and so I don't I don't know that they mention a gender for Holland, but I just immediately assumed female, because why not? Yeah, I assumed it was a female, too. Um, I never thought that they could be the same person. I thought that maybe, because what, Holland is, like, in charge of like the gem uh, trade in Bastion that maybe Isolde was working under her mm-hmm. or something and there some shit went down. Right. Like my my first inkling is that they're related somehow. The second one is that they were working together okay. and Isolde did something where she had to escape mm-hmm. for some reason. Yeah, so I'm I'm very intrigued, and I'm really hoping that we get some more information about that. Um, and then, let's see. So let's see, what other predictions did I have? Um, <laughs> on page 86 of the hardcover book, I wrote, I'm calling it, 
West, West and Fable Forever. Um, <laughs> um, and then, of course, I had to wait until the end of the freaking book to... Uh, I know. Uh, but I, like, I, after a while, I knew it was going to happen. Um, I just loved... So, um, there was... It was a part... Um, Oh, they had just gotten to Dern, and she was trying to leave the ship, and he was like, you're not leaving this ship. Um, and right on that page, um, he had, like, grabbed her, or she had grabbed him, like, trying to get him to let her, you know, to to speak to him earnestly. And um, it's it was just two lines, really. It was the one at the top, and he said, or it says, he yanked free of my grip putting the cold air between us, and I finally breathed the taste of his scent on my tongue. And then, um, right at the bottom, it, it just says, I cursed, the smell of him still th- thick in my throat. And I was like, I'm calling it. I'm calling it. Like, okay, sure. Um, <laughs> you're just friends. Okay. Like, <laughs> um, so that was that. And then, um, and then I really felt that um, a couple pages later. So Fable has snuck off the ship. She has yeah. found Willa and West in outside of the Gambit's office or store. Um, and um, she mentions being mad at the idea of something between Willa and West. Because yeah. they seem really close. And I was like, uh-huh. Okay, keep telling yourself you don't have any feelings for him. Because <laughs> clearly you do. And, but then right. at that point, I was like, I think they're just... I think, I, But then I was like, I think Willa and Wes are just really close. And I was like, they seem like siblings. I was like, I wonder if they're siblings. And then, sure enough, on page 226, we find out that they are, in fact, siblings. And I was like... See, I did not even think that they were siblings oh like I thought that they could have had maybe like a romantic past Mm. or just been like really close friends right no I thought I thought that they might be siblings yeah um you're you're obviously having some better uh (laughs) predictions than I sometimes (laughs) sometimes I don't know like I just Mostly I just hope for one thing, and if it turns out being right, then I'm like, yay! And if it's not, then I'm like, damn it. Um, and then my last note, <laughs> um, in this sort of part of my notes that I wrote down, um, is just really funny to me, mostly, and it might not be as funny to you, but it's in the scene where Fable finds, uh, or discovers that some of the emeralds are not actually emeralds when they're in Dern. And West is trying to trade for some new gems. Um, and I just wrote a sentence full of, I think, is alliteration where it's a consonant? Con- no, it's consonants. Okay, I just solved that question myself. Um, where a bunch of the words in the sentence start with the same uh, letter, right? But it's like alliteration is like a vowel, and I think consonants is with a consonant. Well, I think it was just alliteration is... Isn't it just, like, the same... I meant to look this up before we did this, and of course I didn't. Yeah, um, it shows us how much we remember from English class. <laughs> but I think alliteration, it doesn't have to be a consonant or a vowel. It's just the repetition. Okay, yeah, um, you're right. Alliteration, the occurrence of the same letter or sound at the beginning of adjacent or closely connected words. But yes, now... Yeah. 
What is consonance? It's that's just the a vowel versus a consonant, right? No, it says no. agreement or compatibility between opinions or actions. So I don't. Okay, so this is not the right word. <laughs> I don't know what I'm thinking of. I'm sorry English. to all of my English, English teachers English? in my life. No English. <laughs> <laughs> Why are we even having a podcast about reading? <laughs> reading doesn't have anything to do with English. Um, and so I just. It was just, I wrote it down in the heat of the moment, and then I, when I went back to look, read it, I was like, oh my gosh, this is hilarious. I just wrote, <laughs> fuck yeah, Fable, find those fake gems. <laughs> and I was like, look at all of these Fs in my <laughs> sentence here. Um, but I just thought it was such a cool example of her power and her and her magic. And um, But it was so subtle because you, like... In the way that she discovered that the emeralds weren't all real, you almost couldn't necessarily tell it was magic. Like, it was so subtly woven in there Mm -hmm. that you... Because I don't think at that point you know she's a gem stage. Like, it's not for sure. Right. You find out very shortly afterwards, but it was... Yeah, so it could be that, like, she's just really knowledgeable about gems. Right. Like, I think there's a little bit of the But it mentions, like, the singing and the song is different and stuff like that. Um, Yeah. But, yeah, I just thought that was so cool. Very subtly. Um, So, I just wanted to bring up... Yes. The fact that I actually don't have that many notes for this book. That's okay, Um, because I have a couple more, but I want to hear why you don't have any notes. So, the reason why is (laughs) I absolutely loved this book. Like, it was a very easy read, like, definitely written for younger readers. Um, But even though it was an easy read, it was the kind of read where I just couldn't put it down. So I read it so fast because of the combination of it being an easy read, but also, like, I literally just had to keep turning the page Mm -hmm. like I couldn't stop myself I couldn't put it down Mm -hmm. so therefore I didn't even stop to like think about notes to jot down let alone even jot them down sure because I it was just such an intriguing book that Mm -hmm. I just couldn't stop yeah for sure oh I totally understand yeah so I, I have a couple of thoughts and stuff that I wanted to bring up but in general, I think we've already talked about a lot of them. Yeah. So, so you know. Well, do you want to hear one of the weird thoughts that crossed my mind at one point during this book? Uh, um, absolutely. So, for a huge chunk of at least the beginning part of the book, um, kind of until they get to Dern, um, it's mentioned repeatedly that <laughs> this is the weirdest thought. I don't know why it popped in my head, but it did. And then I thought it was so funny, I had to write it down. Um, it's mentioned that she's barefoot, you know, because she is really poor. She couldn't afford shoes. Why would she need shoes? She's spending most of her time, like, swimming, like, you know. Right. Um, and so I had this, like, fleeting thought at one point when it mentioned, like, she was staring at my feet or my calloused feet or whatever. And I was like, do they have toenail clippers? <laughs> like, <laughs> like, how does that work? Like, my, right. Because, like, and of course, like, logically, the thing is, is, like, she's moving around so much on her feet that, like even if they don't have toenail clippers, like, it's probably keeping her toenails a normal length, right? Well, like, what about fingernails? 
Well, that's true, but like we could start a whole we could start a whole podcast about what do fictional characters do with their fingernails in fictional worlds. Um, it's like the whole bathroom thing, right? Like you never see them go to the bathroom, but probably they do because they have to. But like no one wants to read about them going to the bathroom or clipping their nails or whatever. But it was just like a weird thought that like, <laughs> and I'm like, I was like, are her toenails really long? Like, <laughs> like it was just like the, and I was, and then I was like, why on earth would that thought ever even cross your mind, Ellen? Like, and it was just like the funniest, like what the hell moment for me because I was like why are you even worried about that like (laughs) for me I definitely have some of those moments where just the way a scene is described Mm -hmm. that you know that either they had to change their clothes or wash their face or do something that's more of like a normal habitual thing for us Mm -hmm. but it's not really described in a book or it's described in a way where you're like wait a minute where did those change of clothes come from (laughs) or like you know that kind of thing right you're like wait all the details aren't here so that the way that it is being described it doesn't really it makes it seem absurd yeah for sure um yeah but i was think your thoughts about okay that's good but it was just it was just really really funny how it struck me yeah i was like where did that come from (laughs) (laughs) Oh, that's so great. I love that. <laughs> well, you know me. Oh. Well, so... so uh, uh, go ahead. I wanted to talk a little bit about just, like, the code of ethics that's really part of this book. Okay. Like, what being a traitor means. And, like, the... Do you mean, like, you trader or traitor? Not traitor. Or, I mean, like, a traitor, like you know, shipping. Yeah, great. Go yeah, ahead. Yeah, yeah. And, like, how... Because <laughs> for a second I was like, did I miss a chapter? <laughs> I, I was like, uh, please hold while Ellen rereads this book quickly. I don't remember anything about traitors. Um, yeah, just that it's such more of a rough and tumble world and more gritty and, um like, tense than Mm -hmm. I kind of thought it would be. Like, it's almost, like, I would think more of the way that they think as being a pirate versus being a traitor. Mm -hmm. Um, But just, like, the laws of the land that her dad lays down and, like, that's how she lives her life. I just thought it was so, such an interesting value system and, like, you really see how it's like a dog-eat-dog world and it's really all about surviving Mm -hmm. and you can't care about anyone else because then someone can easily, like, that's how you can be defeated in whatever way being defeated means. Right. Um, Which, to me, just seemed so much more, like, aggressive and brutal. Yeah, definitely piratey. Um, but I think, I mean, and for the most part, for, especially, like, the crew of the Marigold, they are traitors, but they are also kind of pirates. Like, they're, like, an interesting mixture of that. Um, just a quick question. Am I the only person who, 
despite my fear of getting lost in the middle of the ocean where no one can find me, um, anytime I watch something or read something about living on a ship, and, like, I think it's just because, like, it's, like, the camaraderie of the people that you live with and, like, the, the kind of the family you can build, like, every time I read or watch something set on a boat, I'm like, I want to be a pirate! And I I don't. Like, I have zero desire to, um, I mean, I'd love to, like, sailing on the ocean sounds great, kind of. Um, (laughs) um, But, like, there's, there's, it's a rough life. Like, it's not an easy life. And in all honesty, honesty, it does not appeal to me really at all. But every time I read one of these books or I watch like Pirates of the Caribbean or I watch Black Sails, which is like super nitty gritty piratey. And like, I don't, especially that one, but like it's still at the same time I was like, I ought to be a pirate. And I wonder if it's, (laughs) I wonder if it's like the freedom part of it. I don't know what it is, but there's something that every time I watch or read something, I'm like, I'll do that one day. And I won't. But like, I don't know. I, not have that feeling at oh. all whatsoever. Yeah, I... me, me neither. That would be so weird. <laughs> <laughs> Only yeah. weirdos would have that. I don't know. I... It just does not... Life on a ship does not appeal to me. Me... That's the... I think that's the weirdest part about this desire right, for right, me. It's like... Done, it me neither. Like, I don't want to sleep in a hammock in a room full of other people. Like... I mean, I for a long period of time. Like, if I was camping or something, like, sure. But, like, and I don't, and I'm not great with heights. So, like, trying to, like, I'm not, like, as scared of them as some people. But I'm not, like, inclined to be climbing up the mast and swinging from the rigging. Like, I would be the worst, I would be, I would be the worst pirate. Like, they'd be like, we've got to, you know, attack this ship and I'd be like or not like (laughs) I'm okay if we just sail past it yeah like they're not bothering anyone you know let's just let's just go somewhere else um so yeah it's just it's the weirdest you're not not a big pillaging burning no I mean I like a good bonfire but like that's about (laughs) That's the, about the extent of the the burning that I want to do in my lifetime. Or candles. I like a good candle. Um, but, yeah. So every time I read or watch something like this, I'm like, I'm always struck by the, the simultaneous want to be a part of it. And then just, like, the humor in it. Because I, I really don't. But I just <laughs> get... Really I just get... so. I t- zero sense. It makes no sense. Uh, but I think I just get so sucked into it that I'm like, I want to do that. And then I'm like, no, I do not want to do that. Um, gosh, that's fantastic. Um, but speaking of that, like, so you were talking about the rules that her dad lays out for her, right? And he lays out five rules, right? One, keep your knife where you can reach it. Makes sense. That seems like a good rule to have. Yeah, I follow that. Yeah, always. <laughs> you know, when I'm out pillaging with yeah. my with my pirate crew on weekends. Um, two, never owe anyone anything. That's where things start getting problematic. <laughs> yeah. um, three, nothing is free. 
technically, I get that one. Like, I mean, yes, there are gifts in the world, but, like, I feel like especially, I mean, not especially, but I feel like in the world, like, it seems much more rare to find someone who is truly giving you a gift versus, at least in our modern day society, someone who's truly giving you a gift or someone who is um, giving you a gift even just for the expectation of getting a gift back, you know, like, so I, I kind of understand that one. Um, number four, always construct a lie from a truth. I've heard that before. Like when you're lying, put a little bit of truth into it to make oh, it yeah. seem more accurate. I feel like we talked about that when we talked about Caraval. Um, probably. Uh, yes, that is probably why I'm such a bad liar. Because <laughs> I always forget that rule. Yeah, Not see, Alex, rule number four. Come on. Gotta live my life by that. Um, and then number five, never under any circumstances reveal what or who matters to you. And I'm like, maybe if I was a real pirate, <laughs> um, they would make more sense to me. But that, that just seems... As opposed to a fake pirate. <laughs> yeah, as opposed to someone who wants to but doesn't really want to be a pirate. I don't know. It's we Alex, just accept it and let's move on. <laughs> And by Alex, I of course mean Ellen. <laughs> just accept that you're having this weird feeling and we'll just move forward. Um, like, some of them, sure, they make sense. You know, like, keep your knife where you can reach it. And it's a good idea to, like, try to not owe anybody anything because you don't want them to be able to lord it over you or whatever. But, like, how old was she when he was starting to teach her these rules? Like, because at the very least, she knew them by the time she was 14. But, like, imagine saying that to, like, a two-year-old. You know, like, oh, don't ever I trust mean, anybody. Like, she's not a fatherly figure. No, but, but, but he was more of a fatherly figure before her mom died. You know, like, yeah, there are so many contrasts to that because you see where she feels like the only love she sees from him is him to her, her mother. mother. Right. But then at the same time, you hear things like, well, he made sure that Clove taught her, like, what was it, how to fight or something like that, mm-hmm. where he's making sure that she's learning how to do the things that he thinks are important. Yeah. And, you know, he teaches her his code of ethics because it's all about survival. And right. And sure she survives. And he, and, lets, and he lets her mom teach her how to dredge because it's something that she can do to support herself. And, and he also... You know, you think it's cruel when he leaves her on this island to survive by herself. But at the same time, like, the love of his life just died on a ship. So he wants to get his daughter as far away from being on the sea as possible so that he doesn't have another chance of losing her. It is still cruel. It is still horrifically cruel. Well, so that's the thing is, like... Yeah. Oh, for sure. sides of things where you're like, okay, I can see how he cares about her and he's you know, actually, her father, he sends West to, you know, buy the jewels from her. But then at the same time, you're like, really? It's like a, it's like a fucking band-aid. It's like a, it's like a fucking band-aid on like a, like a, somebody who was impaled by a sword. Like, you know, like, (laughs) oh, you're bleeding out here. Here's this little, you'll be fine. It's fine. Like, that's the thing where like, you these little things where you're like, oh, maybe he does care about her, and then then you're like, oh, no, he really 
Or maybe he only cares about her the way that he knows how. Yeah, and I mean, I think... Except then you're like, well, but the way that he cared about her mom was so different. Yeah. And I I think the thing that's so interesting about this book is that um, a lot of the book does revolve around this fatherly, daughterly love, like, that they have for each other. Like, even after everything, like, yes, she wants to go back to her dad to prove to him that she made it, but she also wants to go back to her dad because at the end of the day, he's her dad and she loves him, you know? Like, I think it's a really interesting um, narrative on on sort of that familial love and, like, even if something if they do something that's horrific and unforgivable, especially if it's, like, a parent, you know, like, you're still gonna love them, you know, because they're your parent, and, you know, there's, um, it's, like, (laughs) it's, like, the thing I always say to people, not always, but, like, I say to people who are really close to me, I'm, like, I'll love you, I'll love you no matter what, like, there's not anything that you could do that would make me stop loving you, but if you, like, murder someone, I'm gonna call the cops on you, like, (laughs) Yeah. You know, I like, it's... Right, right, exactly. Like, um, it's, it's, um, you know, it's, it's that, that familial love that can still be there even throughout abandonment and abuse, you know, like, um... I had such a hard time with that, too. Like, for most of the book, I just was, like, hating her dad. And then, like, closer to the end when we actually got to meet him and, like, she talked to him a little bit, I was like, I still hate you, but, like, maybe a tiny bit less than I hated you before. And then in that last interaction interaction between the two of them, I was so confused. Like, I don't know if it was just because I wasn't reading it properly, but, like, all of a sudden, like, they're sitting and they're talking, and they're, but they barely talk. And then also, like, how the hell did he get there? Like, because she didn't see a ship that he came in on. And, like, and then when at the end when she's like, I got up and I knew I would never see him again. And I was like, D- you, you knew that? I didn't know that. Like, <laughs> I was like, is that something that we were all supposed to know? Or is it just something that she's supposed to know? Because it seemed so out of left field uh-huh. to me. Like, I just, I was so confused by that whole last, and and sort of inexplicably a little bit sad about that whole last interaction between the two of them. Because it yeah. seemed, at the beginning, it seemed like the most hopeful. Like, he was being more open with her and he was actually talking to her and then she was like and then I knew I would never see him again and I was like "Uh, what (laughs) did you feel that way in that interaction or like I was like did I miss something like why is this I didn't know if it was a more of a like she just it was like almost like a premonition on her side like I knew I would never see him again just because it was, like, one of those feelings versus, like, this conversation is closing the door on us having a relationship. Yeah. That's, that was a little unclear for, to, for me, to me. Um, um, and then, you know, the whole, the whole end of the book, I just, I want to talk about that, too. Oh, my gosh. So, that, so, I am so... 
But before we talk about that, about so many things. Oh, you wanted to talk about something else. I have I have two other things that I think will be hard to get back to after we start talking about this last one. Sure. Um. So I, so one of the other things that struck me, or not struck me, but I was curious about was um, in all the dredging that she was doing, right? Like, it talks about... And I I loved sort of the explanations of, like, how she would stretch out her lungs to get ready to go underwater for a long period of time. And so then at one point, I was like, how long can somebody hold their breath underwater if they train for it? And so I looked it up, and in 2016, um, I think it's Alex, but it's spelled A-L-E-I-X... Uh, Segura, Segura is his name, and he held his breath underwater for 24 minutes and three seconds. Holy um, moly! Yeah, and he, and that was the so that was the Guinness record for it. And so I was like, so clearly, especially if she's been doing this her whole life, like she could seriously be underwater for a good chunk of time, you know? Cause like at the beginning of this book, when it talks about her going under the water, I'm like, how is she doing all that in like 30 seconds? <laughs> Cause like, I can't hold my breath for very long. Yeah. To me, I was just thinking that like, it must be the laws of physics or whatever. Right. Different in this world that they created, you know, yeah. since they can dive deep down where we need equipment to do that just based on the pressure changes. Right. Or whatever. Um, but like also maybe, but like maybe we wouldn't need equ- like equipment. But so, but then I was like, so even if maybe the laws of physics aren't changed a little bit, she could at least, in theory, because she's been doing this her whole life, but like really seriously for the past four years, like she could theoretically be underwater for like twenty five minutes. Like, That's so crazy. <laughs> I had no idea someone could hold. Me neither. I thought it was, can I tell you, I, when I was looking it up, I was like, I think I remember it being like seven minutes. And even that was like super impressive to me. So when I read 24 minutes, I was like, did he die? No. <laughs> the answer is no. He Like, I was like, was it like, did everybody think it was 24 minutes, but he was actually like dead for part of it? And no, like he was like, that's how long he had trained wow. his body to go without oxygen for 24 minutes. And I was like, I'm really slacking because <laughs> I can hardly go. Like I just said, like 30 seconds. I could maybe go a minute. Maybe. Oh, I if don't I, think I could. Like, if I took, like, a rip... I don't, I don't think I could either. I'm just trying to feel better about myself. Um, And then the last thing I wanted to talk about is the use of she and her throughout the story. So, like, obviously they use it when they're talking about boats. And, like, I don't know how that started, but, like, I knew, of course, that boats are referred to as she and her. Um, But I just loved... um sort of like in my one of my favorite quotes like I just loved the use of she and her for things that we wouldn't maybe normally consider a she or a her like the storm or um I of course should have written down my other but I noticed it a few other places like I was like where because what happened was I would be like she who and then I'd be like oh like okay she's referring to I have to go back to the storm because I, of course, didn't write down my other... Right, more of, like, an inanimate right. object or something. Um, but I thought it was just a really cool way, much like I mentioned about my quote, that it was um, a way to, yes, describe the actual world and story around them, but also um, to hint at a little bit of girl power already in a book that has quite a bit of 
girl power in it, you know? So, Uh um, I guess that's all we, I mean, unless you have something else to say about it, I guess that's all we'll talk about, because I didn't write down my other, um, (laughs) Well, I think we should now talk about the ending. Oh. Because that was just so cruel. So. So many cliffhangers, so many, like, crazy, I can't believe it moments. So I knew something was going to happen when she was getting off the boat and um, Paj was like, where are you going? And she's like, I just have to do one last errand. And so I... I I was so hopeful. I was... I I was like, you know what? They finally got together. We can have this book end on a happy note because I didn't know there was going to be a second one. Like, Mm. she's going to... And of course, see... Like, it'll all be good. Yeah, and of course, that's interesting. So by the time I read it, you had already texted me to say that there was a second book. So I, I had a little bit different... I think I probably would have been like, oh, yeah, like... It's going to be fine if I didn't know that another book was coming out. Um, so, um, yeah, like, as soon as she got off the boat, I was like, <sighs> like, because I knew that there weren't enough pages for things to go well left in the book. And so I was like, God damn it. Like, <laughs> um, I, and I, th- I figured it would have something to do with, Either her dad or Zola. Um, And I thought it probably had more to do with Zola because there was that little part where she was like, if he had continued the course that he had taken um, from Syros, then he'd be in Sowen or whatever. And I was like, Mm -hmm. not after you guys, like, foiled his plans. Like, he's definitely coming after you. Yeah. Um, But again, I only thought about that because I knew there was a second book coming out, right? So, like, I had I had a little bit more information going into it than you did. Um, um, but I was, like, I wasn't, I wasn't ready for exactly what was going to happen. <laughs> I was so pissed that we finally have West and Fable together. Mm-hmm. They've not only like, had multiple intimate physical moments together, but they've, like, talked about, okay, we're going to try to be together, like, as a couple, Mm -hmm. and we're going to... And we're not going to lie to each other anymore. Right. Yeah. And we're... Yeah. And so... That happens to get them just completely ripped apart then. Yeah. As soon as that happens, I'm like, are you kidding me? (laughs) So, the part right at the end... I think the last sentence of the book was, like, it was clove or whatever. I literally went, (gasps) no! (laughs) I was so, uh, like, I, I didn't know what happened initially. I was, I so didn't see that coming. Like, I was convinced that he was dead and was so surprised. Oh, yeah, it just, the last line is just clove. It's just his name. Yeah, so taken aback that one, Clove is not dead. Two, he's working with Zola. Well, he's at least he's at least on Zola's boat. Right, and so then I was like, oh my god, like is he the one who's calling the shots? Is like what happened? Does Saint think he's dead, or did did Fable, like, accidentally pick up an implication thinking that he was dead, and maybe he wasn't actually dead? Right, Saint. Like, what? 
I know. I was like, what's happening? I had all of those feelings, and then I was like, I had all of those feelings, and I was like, is he undercover? Like, did Saint send him to be on Zola's ship? Like, like, I think probably it's more likely that something went down between him and Saint that, you know, just because of all the hints of, like, Clove was the father that her father wasn't, you know, like, it seems like it's probably more likely that something went down between the two and either Saint thinks he's dead or is just willing to pretend he's dead, you know? Um, But I did have a brief inkling of, like, is, is he undercover? Is he... I also had a brief thought of, so, like, this happens right right after she gets the ring back for West. <laughs> so I did have a brief thought of, is the ring going to get back to West? <laughs> yes, because that's the most important thing here. I didn't Not say it was important. I just said it's a thought I had. And may never see West again, and West may never know what happened to her. And he might think that she left him. Oh, God. No, those all went through my head, too. Let's just clarify. I didn't say it was important. I just said it crossed my mind. Um, Yeah, I was like, I was like, it's his mom's ring. Is it ever going to get back to him? And then I was like, I feel like we have bigger things to worry about here, Ellen. (laughs) Um, So, yeah. So, because we don't have the next book out yet, which is very sad for me. <laughs> what, um, so we know it's going to be called, or it's called Namesake, um, which I think is interesting, but do you have any thoughts on how it's going to go, hopes on how it's going to go? Because um, I definitely have an idea of where I would like it to go. And you're sure it's just a two book series? Um, I think it's been described as a duology. Okay. So, I mean, maybe that's incorrect, because I never saw it anywhere on the author's website Okay. there's another book. I just saw it on, like, Goodreads or something, so it's either they're assuming it's a duology or it is. Um, I'd be fine with it being more than two books. Oh, for sure. But, yeah, and at least in this next one, I'm really hoping we get some more information on her mom and what happened before because she was on Zola's ship Mm -hmm. working for him before she moved to Saint's ship so I either through flashbacks or just like gaining information from Zola Mm -hmm. want to know more about what the heck happened to her mom why she left Bastion like all that stuff. Yeah. I'm hoping oh, we for learn sure. More about that. Um, I'm hoping we also learn more about what else a gem sage can do, and that Fable somehow learns more and is able to develop more of her magic. Right. Um, because that would be really cool. What about you? Um, all of those things, absolutely. Um, I want to see more of the crew of the Marigold. Um. I oh, yeah. I really guess I said they need to all get back together. Like, <laughs> right. To rescue Fable um, and then they can all be friends again and it's yeah. all fine. Um I I also hope like I understand why Willa doesn't want to stay on the ship. Um and I understand that it wasn't a life that she had chosen for herself. Part of me hopes that she does stay on the ship, you know, just because as you know, but maybe as our <laughs> listeners don't know yet, I have a 
I of course have a really hard time when characters die. Um, but I sometimes have a worse time when, um, characters, um, like can't really ever see each other again. And like, I know that that's not necessarily would be the case with this, you know, like, cause he's on a ship, like he could very easily go back to wherever she puts down roots or whatever. Um, but I would much rather them be in the same place where they can be with each other, like near each other. Cause of course we're talking about siblings, but like, especially after we learn that Marigold is named after a sibling of theirs that died. Like, I just want them to be a happy little family unit. Um, uh, but yeah, I want to see more of all of them, um, and learn a little bit more about their stories. Like throughout this book, you certainly learn a little bit more, um, than you did know at like the beginning. Um, but I certainly want to know more about how they all came to be together or, um, at least a little bit more, like maybe not, it does not have to be the focus of the next book. Um, I had a weird, um inkling at the end of this book and I feel like this is probably way off base but just with the title of the next book uh-huh. um and I really hope this isn't necessarily the case because I don't like that whole idea um uh but I had this inkling right so like the book basically ends with Fable and West spending the night together and then she gets kidnapped basically right afterwards And so I'm like, so the next book is called Namesake. And then I was like, is she pregnant? And then I was like, and then she has a daughter. And like, would she name her daughter after her mom? Like, was like the brief thought that I had? Or like... Oh my gosh. Like, and I'm probably way off base, but I'm also like, what if I'm like right on the money? Like... (laughs) Oh, man. I just, it's, and I'm going off of zero evidence other than the name of the next book and the fact that they had sex. You know, like... Uh-huh. Um, and like I said, I don't know that I would necessarily want that to be how the series goes because I think that would make it an extra level of unnecessarily stressful for me to, like, not only be worried about all the characters, but then also like, her being pregnant and, like, staying pregnant and whatever, but, like... An interesting thought that crossed my mind, for sure. Yeah. Um, that didn't even cross my mind at all, and now I'm even more anxious. Than <laughs> just the fact that they finally got together, then she got kidnapped, we found out Clove is alive, and... Also, I had a weird thought, what if Clove is actually her dad? Or, like, what if Zola is actually her dad? I never thought that. Well, it the only reason I thought that was because of, like, it would be how her dad, it, it wouldn't justify it, but it would, it could explain why her dad was never able to love her as much as he loved her mom, right? Like, uh. like maybe, of course, he doesn't fully blame her, because it's not, because that's what drives me crazy in, like, every other story where you hear about, like, a parent that isn't actually the parent raising the kid and, like, treating them like shit. And I'm like, mm-hmm. that child had nothing to do with whatever situation. Like, in, I guess, spoiler alert, in Game of Thrones, right? Like, when yeah. 
Ned Stark brings Jon Snow home, Catelyn Stark treats him like shit for his whole life because she blames him somehow for Ned having an illegitimate child. Um, which isn't even true. But, like, <laughs> but like that's, the, that's what it was presented to her. And so she treats him like shit. And it's like, I'm sorry, the kid has no... They are not responsible for any part of any of that situation. And so, like, that thought kind of crossed my mind. Like, that's how Clove would... Maybe why Clove was so much like the father that she... Mm-hmm. And then, of course, the other side of it is, like, maybe it's just because he recognized the shortcomings that Saint had, and he just wanted to help fill those right. empty spots. But, like, it was just a weird inkling that I had, too. And so hmm. maybe we'll find out more about that as well. Yeah. Um, interesting. I did have one last note that I thought was really interesting. So, like we discussed at the end of our discussion about Girls of Paper and Fire. I always, or almost always, read the author's notes or the acknowledgement at the end. Um, And you don't, which is fine. But I noticed something at the beginning of this book that really made me want to read the acknowledgements. Um, So there's a dedication at the beginning of the book. And it says, For Dad, it took a whole book to say goodbye. And then it says 41.25.3. And then on the next line, 144.24.4. And then 20 or 228.21.2. And then it was like 3.16.5. And then an 86.21.11.112.29.3.56.16.7. And I was like, are they. At first I was like, are they coordinates? And I was like, no, because each line is too short to be like a full coordinate. Are you seeing it in your copy? Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Um, and so I was like... I didn't even notice that. I like, I never read the acknowledgements <laughs> or notes at the beginning, and I never read the author's notes or like any acknowledgements. So then in the last, in her acknowledgements, she thanks a bunch of people, and then one of her little parts here is, To my father, who this book is dedicated to, this story came to me only days after you left this world. Sometimes it felt as if you were watching over my shoulder as I typed the words on its page. There are messages in a bottle throughout this book for you. I have no doubt you'll find them. Um, Ooh, that's cool. I know, and but I was like, so then I tried to look up, like, what her acknowledgement meant and, like, what all the wor- numbers meant, and it didn't tell me. And so then I was like, is it page numbers? And so then I was like, are those where the hidden messages are in the book, but then I was like, but then why aren't they in numerical order? And then I was like, <laughs> and then, so then I spent so much time staring at this and I was like, what do you mean? <laughs> I was, <laughs> I was like, okay, I, Adrian Young, question for you because you're obviously going to listen to this podcast episode. I know. I'm like, what are those numbers? Ex- exactly. Are? I want to know what they are. And cause then I was like trying to look at the pages. So it's just like, it was like 40 and I was like okay page 40 and so like I flipped to page 40 and then I was like I of course don't know her dad so I'm like so even if there is a message in a bottle to her dad on this page I I don't necessarily know what it might be and so then I was like okay so then I was like page 40 the last line of the page is I made it off of Javal and I was like okay that's a big part of the book and then it was like 25 and I was like okay what's on page 25 
And then it was like, nothing really that important. And I was like, okay, that ruins my whole theory about it being page numbers. <laughs> and then I was like, oh, it's dates. And then I was like, no, it's not, because there's no date in our calendar that starts with a 40, 144, 228, 86, 112, or 56. And so I was like, I don't know what any of this means. Um, so if anyone has any insight, let us know. <laughs> Definitely. Um, yeah, that would be good to know. Right? Okay, so I think that about wraps it up on a very interesting note that I didn't even I didn't even know those numbers existed and now I'm like, what are they mean? I know. Alex, this is why you need crazy. to read the dedication and you have to always read the author's note and or acknowledgments. Okay. I will get on that. Sorry. <laughs> you should be. So Please join us next week. We will be talking about The Night Circus by Aaron Morgenstern. Oh, I'm so excited. Since we can't talk about the second book. Well, it's fine. It's really fine. <laughs> no, I'm excited. I think it'll be great. Um, if you would like to get in touch with us, you can find us on Twitter at Uniquely Portable Magic Podcast, um, at UPM Pod Official. On Instagram, we're Uniquely Portable Magic Podcast. And my favorite is the Gmail. You can email us questions, comments, thoughts about books that we've read, cute pictures of whatever. Um, so just say hi. I don't know. Tell us what those numbers mean. <laughs> Um, and you can email us at uniquely portable magic podcast at gmail.com. Uh, thanks for joining us and we'll see you next week.